That was the opening music to West Side Story, released in 1961, and it is the third film in our Robert Wise Film Festival, and you're listening to Classic Movie Reviews, and you can find us at www.classicmoviereviews.net, or in Apple Podcasts or iTunes, just search for Classic Movie Reviews. Or in Facebook, just search for ClassicMovieReviews.net, and you have to spell that out like one word to find us. And I'm Matt Johnson, and I'm coming to you from rainy, wet North Bend today. Oh, and I'm Bob Johnson here in Los Angeles, where we're having summer-like weather. It's been really nice with uh, the rain coming later in the week. So we welcome everybody back to Classic Movie Reviews. And uh, our review of West Side Story from uh, 1961, which won numerous Academy Awards. Yeah, we were just we were just enumerating those. It won ten Best Picture, Best Director, Best Music, Best Cinematography. It, the list goes on. I think it swept. It must have swept the Oscars that year. I remember it was. It, it, it did. It really dominated the show. People must have gotten tired going back and forth to collect their uh, statuettes. <laughs> it was uh, it was released in October of 1961, and I, I did see it that fall. Pro- I probably went into Denver to see it because I think it was one of those shows that they did at that time, which was kind of a road show road show feature with opening music and intermission, and they would play it at the big the big movie houses. In Denver, that would have been the Paramount Theater on, I think, 16th Street. So, uh, yeah, Robert Wise, once again. He had his hands full with this movie, didn't he? I tell you, I... uh, Well, maybe a little bit about the film in terms of who's in it and how it got started and all before we get into the actual uh, theme of the film. It it came out of a uh, Broadway play in 1957... And uh, I believe Jerome Jerome Robbins, who was the co-director and did the musical numbers in the film, had been involved throughout the Broadway production, hugely successful. For all I know, it may still be playing on Broadway. It's been around a long time and keeps keeps coming back. Uh, just an aside, Steven Spielberg is is remaking the film, and it should be out in about a year. I I saw that. Interesting. Yeah. It's his first musical. He tried to do a musical in the 80s, but it didn't happen. And then so he decided to make Indiana Jones, which turned out pretty well for him. Yeah, probably a good selection, right? It's interesting. (laughs) It'll be his first musical, and it was uh, Robert Weiss's first musical. And that's why he insisted on having co-direction from Jerome Robbins. Uh, The cast is pretty much... Uh, people that came from the play, the Broadway play, not not all of the people. Uh, Natalie Wood, of course, was was not in the Broadway play, but they just decided that the person that had played that role on Broadway was a little old for the movie. I didn't I didn't really recognize any of the actors besides Natalie Wood, and that might be because they were mainly more Broadway actors, music uh, performers. Yeah, there were a few that that. Uh, that I, I remember seeing in films. And like Rita Marino <clears throat> is still uh, active in the industry, and I think she'll be playing the role of Doc in the new uh, Steven Spielberg movie. Yeah, that's true. And there was another uh, person who was at the dance hall when they first, they have that dance, and he was sort of the person who was organizing the dance. He looked super familiar, oh, but I couldn't Oh, John Aston. Uh, he, he plays Gladhand. I love that name. <laughs> and you may remember him. He was he was a feature character in the Adams Family in the 1960s. Oh, that's where. Okay, that's where I recognized him. And from. then he made some other films. 
Uh, well, the other people that were in it that uh, are, are, I remember Richard Bamer, I believe that's the pr- pronunciation, is still uh, alive and well and, and doing writing, and he's a sculptor, and he lives in uh, I- Iowa, in Fairfield, oh, okay. Iowa. He had a pretty good career. He, he was in The Diary of Anne Frank from 1959, The Longest Day from 1962, and, and some others. And uh, Russ Tamlin, Russ has been in, he's 84 now and still active. He has a daughter that's very active in the film industry. He was in Father of the Bride, one of the films that we've reviewed, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. Mm. And you'll remember him from The Haunting. He was one of the two men in The Haunting. Oh, right, he was, okay. He was kind of yep. another Robert yep. Weiss film. He was kind yes. of the wisecracking uh, skeptic. In the, in the haunting. Yes, that's right. Okay, so I have seen him before. So it uh, it was a huge huge success. Uh, in today's dollars, it would be a blockbuster. Robert Weiss, you know, he's so interesting. I decided what I should do is pick films that we aren't doing that he did that I think are as good as the ones that we're doing. <laughs> I came up okay. with at least three, and there could be more. Destination Gobi from nineteen fifty three which has to do with a weather station crew that's sent to the Gobi Desert during World War II with Richard Widmark. The Sound of Music from 1965, which with Julie Andrews, which uh, was huge, huge. And then one that didn't do as well, the Hindenburg with George C. Scott, about the intrigue that went into the Hindenburg and the crash that it had back in the... Uh, I think late 1930s in New Jersey. So he, I mean, the man was uh, beyond uh, gifted. I tell you. Yeah, I remember. I remember an earlier podcast I had compared uh, his directing career to to Ridley Scott. But I think there's some comparisons to Steven Spielberg too, with the kind of variety of movies that that he's done. And and uh, for a lot of those films, uh, Mr. Weiss was working within the. Uh, studio system which was still uh, still functioning in the 40s and 50s and the screen the screenwriter the screenplay uh, the the person that wrote that Ernest Lehman Lehman mm-hmm. he, he man I, I read I looked at his credits he wrote uh, North by Northwest Sabrina who's afraid of Virginia Woolf hello Dolly and a really great uh, football terrorist film Black Sunday Remember that with with Robert Shaw, uh, and so he was he was outstanding. Um, the only Academy Award that he won that I think uh, I I researched is uh, an honorary one that he got. We've got I mean we've got an A A team group going here. Well, I found the movie to be just technically excellent, like great cinematography, amazing music, great location shooting, the choreography of the dance. Uh, and sort of like some of the fight scenes I thought was well done. Uh, I loved seeing New York, uh, New York City, uh, from 1960, probably, 61, and all the old cars and sort of the old architecture from some of the old n- neighborhoods that had been there. The uh, the location shots were done in a neighborhood that was uh, to be demolished, and now it's uh, home of the Lincoln Center and, and a whole host of uh of entertainment venues and uh, they they filmed it in that neighborhood because they got permission to do that because the the uh buildings were going to be demolished shortly after the filming hmm. but you know it made it the the one of the things i noticed about the film for me well <laughs> one of many it, it it's in my experience the first time anybody tried to blend music dance drama with the inner city urban gangs. Uh, I can't think of any film before that that did that. You know, the musicals that we've watched and the ones I love, Singing in the Rain, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, On the Town, and on and on with Fred Astaire, really never tackled the kind of theme that this movie did with the gangs and try to put that together. The only one that I could come up with for later is an outstanding film, Fiddler on the Roof from 1971 which has music mm-hmm. and uh, all the horrible, horrible uh, 
uh, murdering of Jews in in Russia and the Ukraine. Uh, but it but it and that's a terrible theme. But they were able to do that with the music, and and I can't think of others that that fit that that mold. So Robert Weiss and the Mirrors Company and all should be credited, I think, for going into that dynamic. Well, and um, I think we've said many times when we've watched musicals in the past that the the scenes in between the musical numbers are just there to kind of tie the musical numbers together, but they don't necessarily advance any kind of plot. And a lot of those musicals, they don't really have much of a plot to speak of, whereas this one, I felt that the musical numbers were integral and they would transition between dialogue and the musical numbers seamlessly. I say I want the Jets to be the number one to sail the whole sky. Then never stop. Boom, ba, boom. Catch, you catch, you catch, you catch, we rumble. Now, protocolity calls for a war council between us and the sharks to set the whole thing up. So I will personally give the bad news to Bernard. Hey, you gotta take a lieutenant with you. That's me. That's Tony. Who needs Tony? We need Tony. Got a rep that's bigger than the whole west side. He don't belong no more. Now cut it, action. Me and Tony started the jet. So where is he? How come he takes a lousy, stinking job? <laughs> you boy corrupted him. Yeah, temporary sickness. Wait and see. Man, remember that fifth the day we clobbered the emeralds? Well, he saved my ever-loving neck. Sure, he'll do it again, too. He always came through for us, and he always will. When you're a jet, you're a jet All the way from your first cigarette To your last dying day When you're a jet, let them do what they can You've got brothers around You're a family man You're never alone You're never disconnected You're home with your own When company's expected You're well protected Then you are set with the capital J Which you'll never forget Till they cart you away When you're a jet you stay up, Now I know Tony like I know me, and I guarantee you can count him in. In out, let's get cracking. Where are you gonna find Bernardo? It ain't safe to go in a And in fact, I was noticing that there's no dialogue in the movie for the first 15 minutes. I know, I know. About. Our favorite uh, uh, Saul Bass uh, uh, beginning is there with the, with the start of it. You remember the opening for North by Northwest? It starts out with a painting, then it transitions to the building. Was that a? Did Saul Best? Did Saul Best do that? that well, intro? he was consulting on it. I don't know if he was the main person, but I, I read where. Because I thought I thought that same thing. I thought, well, that looks a lot like North by Northwest, and I, I've never seen this movie before, and I was very confused what was what was happening for the first few minutes because all it is is this really graphic image that I can't. I couldn't make out what it was. It was like a Rorschach test. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> and then in the color of the background kept changing and the music's playing. And I'm like, what is going on? And then, and then it kind of pulls back and then you see West side story and these graphic letters. And then it resolves and kind of transitions into New York city. And those lines were sort of outlines of some of the buildings yeah. in New York City. And I thought, wow, that okay, that was cool. But I was super confused for the first few minutes of what was happening. Well, it goes on for such a long time also. And then it opens with those aerial shots of the city. Yeah. Well, I, I, found, I found the uh, reference, and this is a quote from the article. The opening titles and end credits sequences were created by Saul Bass, who is also credited for visual consultation on the film. And even the ending credits, uh, you have to really pay attention as they, as they zoom in and then you see the names that look like graffiti at the you know, when you first see it. I thought that was such a it, modern it really is. take of like end credits. I don't think we've seen that before in any of the movies that we've watched, but that's pretty standard fare in modern movies where it's very graphic and sort of entertaining and you sort of want to watch them because they're uh interesting to look at i was thinking what it w what would it have been like if i had been able to walk into the room where all these excellent people are sitting around talking about the film i mean the the room pressure would be enormous with all those creative juices flowing from 
Robert Weiss and Jerome Robbins and the screenwriter and the people from the Mirrors Company and <laughs> who knows, Leonard Bernstein, Saul Bass. Oh, my gosh. It'd be intimidating, to say the least. Well, and, and every category that you could think of, I think they had some of the top people working in the industry. Absolutely. Working on this, working on this Absolutely. movie. Absolutely, <laughs> and uh, they pulled that together for the sound of music in a little different grouping, but, but some of the same people. And even Fiddler on the Roof, that was a uh, production from the Marish Company as well. So these people really were creative geniuses when it came to making film and putting it together because the scope and breadth of what they're covering is, to me is is uh, kind of a, a starter for later film. Yeah, I, I I don't know that we need to talk about the plot so much in this. I, I would rather spend more time talking about the themes. I mean, it's it's basically like a Romeo and Juliet yes, story, it is. right? It really is. So A musical setting with the music of... Uh, of Leonard Bernstein and the lyrics, I believe, by uh, Stephen Sondheim. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, the the plot plot is there, there's two gangs, one Puerto Rican and one non-Puerto Rican, and they live in the same area and they fight for space. And uh, the police intercede at times, uh, and even they're portrayed in a in a in a way that was kind of different for the time. So, yeah, I think it's more the, the what what's going on, what are the themes. Now, I have a couple of thoughts. <laughs> I, 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 this, <laughs> I watched it again yesterday. And thinking about how Steven Spielberg might do this film, because he's so good at making it seem real. You know, I mentioned Schindler's This. That could not be more real. As you see mm-hmm. the, the locations and the, and the beauty of it and his use of special effects and all. What will this be like with with uh, his production of this? And I know he's going to, from what I read, he's going to keep the music, a lot of the music and the theme and the gang theme. I I think from what I read, there'll be less dance numbers, less choreography. Well, this is a really long, it's like a two and a half hour long movie and a there's lot. a lot of dance no, numbers. No, at least a yeah. dozen. So what would you think if this film that we're reviewing, The West Side Story, had been directed by either... Nicholas Ray, who did Rebel Without a Cause from 1955, uh, or On Dangerous Ground that we reviewed with Robert uh, Ryan, or Jacques Tourneau, who did the uh, Out of the Past and did the first Cat People movie. The thing that came through to me in this film as missing is the grittiness of the gang warfare and what those neighborhoods must truly have been like. It's almost a little too too neat and clean. Oh, totally. Well, I that was one of the first things I noticed. So in that first 15 minutes of the opening where they're dancing, and you, at first I wasn't quite sure what was happening because there, there's this one group of kids that are on the playground, and then they start dancing, and they're kind of given a hard time to some of the other kids on the playground but they're not really that mean they're just sort of like hassling them a little bit and then these other group of kids show up and you know they're it's basically like the white kids and the non-white kids uh, was kind of how i looked at it and then they start kind of quote-unquote fighting but it's really just choreographed dance moves and it's very stylized and and clean like even the playgrounds are there's no trash anywhere there's really no dirt um the graffiti that's there is very um graphic and stylized so yeah i, I would agree it's it's kind of cleansed in a way of the grittiness like you said i i would think that either one of those directors nicholas ray or jacques tonor or there others uh would have given it a whole different flavor because if you remember like uh on dangerous ground where it's filmed out in the uh, winter in Colorado. That's got a, a true grittiness to it as they're driving through those snowstorms. Uh, and I'm, I'm thinking that we'll see more of that with the new remake of this movie. Well, it couldn't be. I mean, the, the timing of Steven Spielberg, I'm sure this production's been under 
development for a while, but the timing of having that come out couldn't be more um, fortuitous with the kind of the way things are with politics right now. So, yeah, you know, I, I, I'm interested to see how it's received and kind of what what he does that might be different than this movie from 1961, which I think is, I mean, these, these were issues that were happening back then for sure. And I, I looked up, you know, Puerto Rico has been a territory of the United States since 1912. And, you know, they're still, they're being treated as these outsiders in this film and, and still to this day in some ways. I found that just interesting to kind of see how that played out. No kidding. And it, and, remaking any film that was this well-received and awarded so many Academy Awards, as well as other awards, has to be uh, a real challenge. Because, you know, we remember we did, uh, well, I guess we just did The Day the Earth Stood Still recently, and the remake of that with Keanu Reeves and the contrast between the two. It's really tough. It's really tough to pull that off. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, some movies just shouldn't be remade, and I mean, I'm not. I mean, I'm super interested to see the remake of this one, but I, I agree, it's going to be it's a high bar to to come up to. It's sort of like um, the Blade Runner sequel, where they just kind of went in a different direction so that it fits into that universe, but it's not like a direct. I don't think it's a direct comparison to the original no, one. No, no, I'm look. I, this is really a movie that I think calls out for a remake because it it has so many of the same themes today and the music i mean the music is just uh, it's it's wonderful it's outstanding so so one of the other things i noticed um <clears throat> you know besides the the non-grittiness of the of the scenes uh sort of the backgrounds and whatnot uh, was that there? I didn't think that those two gangs were that much different. Like I felt like they were both living in very similar circumstances, and the boys on the jets were probably like first generation, maybe uh, from maybe their parents or their grandparents had immigrated to the United States, and then the boys on the sharks maybe were first generation as well, or or maybe they had come over with their parents, so. Um, I, I just, so the thing that I was struggling with, I have to tell you the, within the first 20 minutes of the movie, I I didn't like it. I was not enjoying the movie. I was struggling to kind of understand what the, what was the point. Um, then as I started watching it more, I started to think, you know, there's a whole, there's a whole nother character to the movie that isn't really ever talked about except once. And that's sort of this invisible hand of society and these cultural norms that these kids have grown up with. And there's a scene about halfway through the movie where they're hanging out at the soda shop and the, the owner of the soda shop says, you know, why do you boys have to fight so much? Why, what, what are you doing? Why can't you just get along? And one of the boys says, well, we're, we're not the ones that made this world. We're just living yes. in it. Bernardo was right. If one of you was lying in the street, bleeding, I'd walk by and spit on you. Don't let it go. So tell Gino that Tony's hiding in his cell. Don't you touch me. I got a message for your American buddy. You tell that murderer that Maria's never going to meet him. You tell him that Gino found out about them and shot her. She's dead. When do you kids stop? You make this world lousy. We didn't make it, Doc. Get out of here. Yeah, I remember that because the uh, soda shop owner, Doc, uh, had a lot of insight because of his experience and age. And he was trying to understand what they were doing. And that's true. They were plunked down in the middle of this thing. And and to me, the personification of, of that was the police oh, officer. Yes, uh, I, I was going to mention Lieutenant Schrank and Officer Krupke. The, 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 the uh, lieutenant, I, I don't have his name in front of me right now, was definitely biased toward the uh, Jets because they were they were more... 
uh, European descent than the Puerto Ricans. At least that might that was my takeaway from the way he treated the groups. Simon Oakland played Shrank, and uh, well, he was. I felt he was definitely on the side of the yeah. Jets. I mean, it, I, I think he. I wouldn't say he was on their side necessarily, but he was definitely uh, much more against the Sharks and kind of the. Well, actually, he did have that one speech where he wanted them to go out. He wanted the Jets to go out and just kind of eliminate the Sharks. Okay, fellas. Where's the rumble going to be? Come on. I know regular Americans don't rub with the gold teeth unless no, something's gonna... gonna... You shut your life. mouth! Come on, baby John. Before that smooth little kiss of yours gets cut up for life. Now, where's it gonna be? The river? The park? Look, fellas, I'm for you! I want this beach cleaned up and you can do it for me. I'll even lend a hand if things get rough. Now, where are you going to rumble? The playground? Sweeney's lot? Why don't you get smart, you stupid hooligans? I ought to take it down a station to throw you in a can right now. You and the tin-horn immigrant scum you come from! Up and then shrank comes in and they all kind of pretend like they're getting along and then shrank kind of calls them out saying yeah i I don't believe you i know you guys are planning a fight and then so then the the sharks leave and then he basically tells the jets if you're gonna fight then you know you got to take them out yeah just imagine how that's going to be handled uh in this new film you know the the involvement of law enforcement in in such an area uh, so that's that's another dimension that that yeah, and I I think was kind of different for the time. I don't recall earlier films. Well, Rebel Without a Cause in 1955. Yeah, so I think got into that once this, once uh, we meet Tony and Maria and we start to get to know them a bit more. I started to like the movie more, and I and I started to see where it was going a bit. Uh, where they sort of and I you know this is again the Romeo and Juliet kind of archetype, but. Uh, they were so likable to me. I thought their characters were really well portrayed. Oh, it's all right. She likes us. But she is worried, and so am I. That's foolish. Are you going to that rumble tonight? No. Yes. Oh, why? You must go and stop it. I have stopped it. It's only going to be a fistfight now between two of them. Narda won't get Any no, fight but... is no good for us. Maria, everything is good for us. We got magic. Listen. And hear me. You must go and stop it. It means that much to you? Yes. All right, I will, then. I believe you. You do have magic. Of course. I've got you. And tonight, after I stop the rumble, it is no rumble. I can buy for you. I will wait for you on the roof. No. Not the roof. Come to your house. You cannot. My mama. I'll take you to my house. Your mama? She can run in from the kitchen to welcome you. She lives in the kitchen. Dress so elegant? Oh, I told her you were coming. She'll look at your face. Try it smart. She'll say, uh, skinny, but pretty. She is plump, no doubt. Fat. I take after my mama. Delicate bold. Oh. <gasps> Not in front of mama. Oh, I would like to see papa in this. Mama will make him ask about your prospects. Many. If you go to church. Oh, always. Yes. Papa might like you. <clears throat> May I have your daughter's hand? He says yes. Crosses. And your mama? I'm afraid to ask her. Tell her she's not getting a daughter. She's getting rid of a son. <clears throat> she says yes. She has good taste. <laughs> <laughs> 
Here. Maid of Honor. Oh, that color is bad for Anita. The best man. That is my papa. Mm. Sorry, papa. Here we go, Riff. Womb to tomb. Now you see, Anita. There was nothing to worry about. Look, Mama's crying already. I, Anton, take thee, Maria. I, Maria, take thee, Anton. For richer, for poorer. In sickness and in health. To love and to honor. To hold and to keep. From each sun to each moon. From tomorrow to tomorrow. From now to forever till death do us part with this ring I thee wed with this ring I thee wed make of our hands one hand very much so, very much, and I, and I, I had to look up who did the singing, because uh, neither Natalie Wood or uh, Richard Bamer did. They did the singing, but it was, it was dubbed in from uh, two other people, Marnie Nixon and Jimmy Bryant, and apparently uh, Natalie Wood was never told that they were going to dub in another singer. Uh, but you can kind of tell when she's singing that it's a different voice. Interesting, because I never noticed that. Because I've I've only ever seen her maybe once or twice in a in a movie. I I'm not that familiar with her films, so I I know that the, I know that at the time it probably wasn't as big of a deal. But I I, I looked up her background. She's her parents were born in Russia, and they they do a they yes. do a decent job of making yeah, I, her look like she might be from Puerto Rico. And she kind of pulls off sort of this Puerto Rican accent. But there are a couple scenes where, to me, it just looked look like two white people dancing and singing together. And, the, 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 the you know, it just wasn't... To me, the, yeah. the two gangs, the two sides, the their differences were much, much smaller to me than their... Were, then I think we were supposed to feel like they were, or maybe not. So then I started to question myself, well, maybe that's the point. Maybe the point of the movie is that, hey, these people aren't that different. And the fact that they're set up to fight against each other is really not something that is their fault necessarily. It's almost like it, it's it's kind of predetermined by their circumstances and the way society is you know, set up to work against, to work up against them. Yeah. You can see it on both levels. That they're that that they aren't a whole lot different, or you know, then you can say, well, why aren't they more different? I, that'll be another area that, when I talk about the grittiness of the film, how will that be handled in, in the new film? I'm really looking forward to seeing this new movie when it comes out. I can't stop thinking about this movie now because I went for my walk this morning. I go for a, like an hour long walk in the morning, and I I just was thinking about this movie the whole time because. I was trying to understand like what were they trying what was the message that they were trying to send with this movie but beyond just the very you know surfacey sort of message of the tragedy of what happens at the end with Tony and and the fact that Tony and Maria you know fall in love and and because of just some kids being dumb you know these these kid these these other kids die but I think there's a whole nother level of what could be gotten from this film well i i agree totally because with robert weiss and the crew that he put together 
it has the same kind of themes as we saw in the day the earth stood still. I mean, the more movies we watch of him, I'm just know, so yeah, impressed with him. And, and the layers and the levels that he brings to the movie, it's just, it's just, it's so deep. And I, I and again, I, I'm just, I'm still processing it. I almost wish that we were going to record this like a week from now. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I'm thinking to myself, Mr. Weiss is sitting at home kind of thinking about how he's going to do the whole thing. Is he putting together in his mind that this will have different layers of meaning? Or is he just so talented and so creative that it just happens? It's like a a pitcher that's throwing a, a, a shutout or an opera singer that's doing an aria. It's like a, he's an artist, right? And, 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 and an artist practices and practices and practices yeah. until the point where it it becomes almost like subliminal and, and, but you can't get to that point without years and years and years and years of just practicing. So I think, I think he's just like really hitting his stride, like with the day the earth stood still and with this movie and sound of music. I mean, he's just, just hitting these home, you know, it's just like, I don't want to use a sports metaphor, but he's, he's really just, yeah, hitting every note that he can hit on every level that there is to hit with these films, the music, the cinematography, the story, so the, true. the actors that he's chosen. You know, it's just all of it, all of it just fits together so well. And he 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 produces and gets the most out of any actor that he has in the film, from Michael Rene to the crew of the submarine to the jets and sharks, and we're going to see that again with the. Star Trek film. Just a note on Natalie Wood and her background, because I looked up this too, because she was a favorite of mine going all the way back to Rebel Without a Car. Actually, going back to the 1940s when she was in a, a movie called Miracle on 34th Street as an 11-year-old. But uh, her grandfather was killed as kind of a bystander during the Russian communist revolution in the 1918 1920 time period he got caught in a crossfire between the red army and the white army and was and was uh, mm. what do they call that collateral damage i tell you and they 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 left they got out of russia and that's as the re- revolution proceeded but she had a wonderful career and then her death just in the last few months, it surfaced again on the tabloids, and and, and there's uh, somebody saying that they knew what happened. Yeah, and it's, it's God, it's this tragic mystery yeah. of what happened. And it's been going. She died in 1981 off the, off of Catalina Island, and it just I tell you, it's it's like. Chapter 27 in that drama, and Richard Bamer, I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly is an excellent artist he teaches artistry and he's a sculptor and you hardly ever see him in any films later and his death was was uh truly right out of right out of shakespeare well, I, 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 well exactly so <laughs> in the, in the you film. know we get to the end of the film and and he he's a he's such a tragic character in the film because he he sees i think he's I think he's the character that we're supposed to see this world through. Like he's our entrance into this world in a way, him and Maria and Maria. And he sees that yeah. there really isn't that much of a difference. And he even says that, you know, why are we fighting? Why are we, we don't have to do this. Maybe he has found the guts to fight his own battles. It don't take guts if you got a battle. We ain't got one. Not none of us. Okay, Nardo? Tony! Burn that opponent! Now let's just cool it. And the deal is a fair fight between you and I. Come on, give it again. Mother hand protecting the little one. I'll give you a battle, Gaito. You've got it. I'll take pretty boy. Oh, it's a warm-up. Afraid pretty boy. Afraid gutless. Afraid chicken. Cut it! No! I don't want a Bernardo. Oh, I'm sure. Now listen to me. Are you chicken? There's nothing to fight about. The hell are Come on, come on. Cut it! No! Hey, you chicken! Hey, 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 hey,
killing us, Dan! Let me see you fight, chicken. big boy. Hey! He is chicken! Hey, pretty boy! But I'll let you go! Don't! Hey, Stop! Don't. Don't. We got nothing to fight about! Chicken! Banana! Please don't yellow belly chicken! Banana! Don't push me! Come on, you yellow belly pullet! And. And he's trying to get out of it. He's trying to stop them from fighting. So they're in that big rumble scene under the bridge. And he's trying to break it up. But then ends up, you know, getting pushed and and almost starts fighting. But then he realizes, you know, I don't want to do this. This isn't the world that I want to live in. But then ends up that the other guy, uh, Russ Tamlin's character, Riff, gets gets killed. And then Tony ends up killing... uh, was it Bernardo? Yeah, Bernardo, played by George. Yes, yes. Chikaris. and he's so torn up about that because it was it was an accident. He didn't mean to to do that. So then he goes to see Maria, and he and and Maria's found out that her brother uh, Bernardo has been killed, and that Tony did it. But she accepts the fact that he it was an accident. He and he's so genuine in saying that you know I didn't mean to do this. So then they then they make plans to meet up later. Oh God! And then this scene uh, where Rita Moreno's character Anita goes to deliver a message to Tony, but then there's almost like a rape scene in the soda shop. And I was reading that oh, the yeah, that, actress yes. um, yeah. Rita Moreno basically broke down during that filming scene because she had been raped as a child and brought back all these memories of what had happened. And and I was so emotionally like hit by that scene and i whoo yeah that was tough to watch and i think it's probably because i think she's not acting right i i would agree especially as she's just leaving the look on her face that's but then and then so then tony thinks that maria's been shot and been killed because of her hanging out with him and then he's so distraught that he just wants to go find the guy that supposedly killed Maria. And he's wandering through the streets yelling out this guy's name and saying, just kill, come kill me. And then Maria shows up and it's like, oh, you know, this relief of like, oh, you're not dead. And then, of course, the guy that supposedly had killed Maria, which I can't remember his name, but ends up firing the gun off and, and killing Tony and that was yeah that was that whole setup there was so shakespearean but the music at the end was so ominous i the the way the movie opens versus the yeah. way it ends is so night and day literally it opens sort of in the morning and it's very lighthearted and sunny and it closes at night and it's very dark and morose and and ominous how do you fire this gun chino just by pulling this little trigger how many bullets are left, Chino? Enough for you? And you? All of you! You all killed him! And my brother! And Riff! Not with bullets and guns! With hate! Well, I can kill too. Because now I have hate! How many can I kill, Chino? How many? And still have one bullet left for me. Don't you touch him! It, the music in it, it lives today as 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 it did in nineteen in the nineteen fifties. The beauty of the music. Maria, America, and the one you're referring to is somewhere in the finale. But there's a lot of, you know, one of the things about musicals and films, if the music lasts, it really says a lot about what went into that film, uh, for me anyway, and, and this music. I, I love listening to it again, and I've listened to it for 
50 on years. Yeah. Leonard Bernstein did a terrific job along with Sondheim. I, I, I was surprised by how many of the songs I knew. Because, again, I hadn't seen this before, and I wasn't as familiar. But exactly. I was like, oh, I know that exactly. one. Oh, I know that one. Oh, that's a great song. And, I, you know, that was kind of fun to have that happen. The Maria, America, Tonight, Somewhere, uh, and I'm forgetting it. I Feel Pretty. Oh, yeah. I love that song. <laughs> My kids used to love that song so, when they were growing up, and we used to play it for them. Um, and I think it's been re-recorded many, many times. Um and yeah, that's a good one. Well, I think the film, uh, like so much of what Robert Weiss did, there's a lot more to it. I still can't get out of my head. What would this movie be like if Nicholas Ray had done it? It would be a totally different movie, it, I think. If you if you remember Rebel Without a Cause, that was that was really well, pretty. I have to I have to admit, I feel bad saying this, but I haven't seen that movie. <laughs> oh, we're gonna have to. Add I think that we better do list. that one soon. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I guess I'll let you lead off with how how would you rate the film? Oh man, I was kind of dre- I was kind of dreading this. I, I don't even know. I, I am too. Know. I have four ratings I combined into one. <sighs> when I first started watching Equally it, I weighted. the first half an hour I was giving it about a four, and I was not enjoying it. And I thought it I thought it was just not coming together for me. About halfway through, my rating went up to maybe a seven. Once I started to see Maria and Tony together, and I kind of started to warm up to the story a bit more. And then by the end, I was so overwhelmed with what I had just seen that I I wasn't even sure what to think. And I want to say I want to give it a ten. What what do you think? Well, I, I have I have four ratings, and then I'll combine them, e- each equally weighted. The music is a ten. The choreography is a ten. The inner city grittiness of the gangs is about a six, and then the portrayal of the police would be an eight. So putting all that together, I'd give it a nine. Yeah. I'd go to I'd go to ten if if it was just a little if they had filmed this all on location and which would have been hugely expensive by the way although as much they didn't know it was going to make as much money as it did but I think that would have given me a ten on the film but I, I'll go with the nine nine and ten well, not I'm, bad I'm probably going to stick with the ten I maybe I'll come back to it on the yeah. next episode and just kind of because I I really feel like I need another week to process this it was way way deeper than what I expected. And it was so much different than the other musicals that we've watched. And oh, totally. the way the police were portrayed, and there were some things in the background. I don't, I'm not going to have to watch, I'm going to have to watch it again. Cause there was one scene where there's this giant sort of poster. I, I was going to ask you about, was, is there some meaning about, to that? Cause it shows up twice. Okay. So is this the poster of the woman with the blonde hair and it says America above it? Oh no! This is the one with the politician named Wood. Oh, and yeah, and that was the other one I was going to mention too. So, so there's the poster of the politician, which has a very sort of 1984 Orwellian feel to it. (laughs) That's what I thought too. In fact, it could be the same guy that was in the the movie 1984. Yeah, and so that, and then there's another poster and another. I'll I'll try to find the point in the movie and put it in the show notes. But it's a woman blonde hair i think probably blue eyes and it says america and so i'm oh my gosh my you know my head is just spinning with this idea that what robert wise was trying to say is that america is really this melting pot and but because of the systemic oppression of certain groups mainly non-white people that they fight with one another and it's set up to perpetuate that fighting because it's to the advantage of the ruling group, man. I, 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 I feel like I'm going to get a lot of comments on this, but I'm just going to, I'm just going to go there because I feel like this is the subtext of the film that I'm trying to grapple with. And the, the police are sort of the personification of that. And there's subliminal, subtle hints at that with some of these posters and whatnot, but I'm wow. Yeah. I, 
kind of blown away by the movie and I'm, I'm definitely going to land on the 10 now that I've talked about it some more. Well, I was doing a head, head job on myself because I put all these meanings into what uh, Mr. Weiss had put into the film. And, and are they there? Was he conscious of that? I mean, I, who knows? But why would you put that poster of that, that politician like that? And why would you put... A, like, there's no accidents in the set design, right? Like, the, something doesn't just appear on the set and say, well, how'd that get there? Like, No, no, he didn't just say, oh, get something from the prop room that has a woman on right. it. Right, so know, I think that there's, there's definitely intention there, and maybe... I'm reading into it more than what I should. And I, uh, but I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's just a reflection of the time that we're living in, but this is what I'm taking away from it. Well, and the film came out before, not that long after Brown versus the board of education ended uh, segregation in public schools. And, and it was, it was out before the equal rights, the equal uh, rights amendment, the EEOC and all the rest. I mean, it, it's a time when there was, having lived in that time, you know, we there were there were marches of 1963, uh, Reverend King's speech in Washington at the Lincoln Memorial. It was a very active time for social change, and there were a lot of films that had those themes in them. So I, yeah, it's 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 not just an accident that some of that stuff shows up. I'm sure. Yeah. Wow. I wow, tell you. Wow. It's just not what I, I was, was expecting. A... I, I mean, I've heard of this movie for forever, right? And it's so popular and there's so many stage productions of it and like high schools put it on and, and it's it's just a really well known story and, and film and I was and, and I'd never seen it, so I was like, Well kind of thinking, oh, it's a musical. It's gonna be like these other musicals. It's gonna be lighthearted and fun and you know, I know it'll have like this tragic storyline but then i started 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 thinking about it like wow it's much much more than that so wow evidence evidence by the 10 academy awards well we've come up i've come up in my my mind with two more movies to add to our list inventory list rebel without a cause from 1955 and fiddler on the roof from 1971 because fiddler on the roof has as much as this film has different subtexts and different themes going on within the movie. It's an incredible film. So so just to kind of review the bidding here on <laughs> on our uh, upcoming movies, we've got Star Trek, the motion picture is coming up next, and we're going to do a double feature with uh, Wrath of Khan. And then we're going to do a month of non-U.S. you know, foreign films, which we've identified a few of those. I think we're going to Rafifi is one. It's Rafifi, French. Rafifi, and then uh, Yokai Monster Trilogy from Japan in the 1960s, and we're going to focus on one of those, which is uh, Spook Warfare, I think it's called. But I'm gonna. I've watched all three, so I'm gonna. I can talk to all three. But if you want to just watch one, I would recommend that one. This, the which one is that? You'd it's recommend? called Spook Warfare. Spook. Okay. Okay. Because I've got all three on uh, queue, so I'll. I'll highlight that when I move it to the list move it up the and list. then we're going to review uh one with donald sutherland called uh don't look now or yeah don't look now yeah i i have i have seen that yeah that's uh and i'm something else <laughs> donald sutherland can't go through a movie without being naked that's the joke <laughs> <laughs> i had that wow. and then there's a fourth okay. one what was the fourth one I don't know. Okay, so we'll have to find a fourth one. I think we had talked about one, but I, I can't remember. Um, and then, and then we were talking about doing a month of Bernard Herrmann. Yes, uh, movies. And we've already select. We wanted to do four films. We've already selected ten, so we have a little paring down. Yeah, to we're do. each we're each going to choose two, so <laughs> yeah, we're, we'll right. have to. It's going to be tough. Yes. And then I think we should do this. Uh, Rebel Without a Cause and, and Fiddler on the Roof and a, and a couple more that are maybe in that vein of social commentary. Because um, this movie's really got me interested in some of these other films. Well, maybe way out, like 20 movies from now, we should do The Manchurian Candidate, the original. 
Oh, which I think we saw in the theater. We did. You it, and I went to that. It was re-released. You yeah. and I went to that when it came out again in, in the 80s. We went to that uh, that funky little theater up on Capitol Hill. Yes, I remember Har- that. that. The Harvard fun. Exit. <laughs> the timing on that was that when it was released originally was not so great because it was just around the time when Kennedy was assassinated. So the movie went into a period hiatus because of that right they they, re, they resist they didn't release it right away right yeah. it kind of sat on the shelf for a couple of years because the timing yeah. was horrible but there's so many movies from that year have you ever have you ever watched dr strangelove i've never seen that <laughs> another one i another one i need to watch so maybe that's maybe that's on the docket for that month we could do we could do one month of, of movies that make me depressed <laughs> <laughs> that that would be one of them uh, i don't that that doesn't sound fun. <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. Well, uh, so we gave it a we gave the West Side Story a, a ten and a nine, and there's a lot there. So, yeah. So uh, that was our review. Wow, it got got deep. Uh, so thanks for listening. This is Matt coming to you from North Bend, and uh, Bob uh, Johnson in uh, Los Angeles, wishing you all happy movie watching.
Whew. Man, I started to get kind of worked up there. 